morning. How's everybody this morning? That good? <laughs> but it's summer. Come on, we should be feeling good. I'm going to be in shorts next week. <laughs> well, maybe not. Kathy told me nobody should ever have to see my legs, so she took all my shorts and burned them. When we moved to Idaho, she says, too cold there anyway. Be okay. That's not going to work out that way. She's going to have to go buy me some more shorts. Yeah. But that's all good. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, would you open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? And we're going to begin or continue our journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. I find it interesting that we're on uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's funny because... The world is clamoring for the answers that the Scripture has. They just don't know that that's what they're clamoring for. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we, we all know, if you don't know, it's the love chapter. It's a love chapter that really lays out for us what love is. Now, we are at a disadvantage in English. We have one word. In Greek, there are four words for the word love. You and I, we might say, man, I love my dog Boy, do I love steak, and I love my wife. But I don't mean the same thing in all three of those. In the Greek, it gives us a little better description of what kind of love we're talking about. Why is there so much confusion today? Because you never know what someone means when they tell you they love you. Sometimes when they say, I love you, they're saying, wow, what I really love about you or what I really want is what you can give me. A lot of times love in English is I love if. Sometimes love in English is I love because. But none of those are really what God's talking about. Folks, when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and we discover that on the high priest's robe, the robery that he wore, around the bottom of the hem they would sew bills. Each bill would be tuned to a different tone. Each one around the road. But in between each bell was sewn a pomegranate. And when the priest went about doing service, when he went about doing the work he was called to do, everyone knew the high priest was working. Because they could hear this beautiful music played by the bells in the hem of his robe. Now if you take out all the fruit we'd have a problem because then all the bells would be clanging against one another. It, it wouldn't make as much sense. The tones wouldn't be separated as they are with the fruit. The fruit between the bells is what made the music possible. And as we studied 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's a bell. The gifts of the Spirit, talking about the move and the, the energy of the Holy Spirit working through the life of the believer. When we get to chapter 14, he's going to continue talking about gifts and how they should function corporately within a body of Christ. But between those two, what did he place? A pomegranate. See, Galatians chapter 5 says, the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is what? Love. Manifested how? Joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control. Against such, there is no law. The fruit... The pomegranate of the Spirit, that's love. But it's not love if, and it's not love because. It's love that has been coined in the New Testament. Even the Greek writers, they had three forms of love 
Traditionally, eros, sexual love, storge, which is uh, love that you would have within a family between brothers or from a, a father to his son. You had um, phileo, which was brotherly love or friendship. And then comes this guy named Paul, and he coins a word. He makes a word in the New Testament called agape. Now, a lot of people, they want to define what agape. Agape is God's love. But, folks, it doesn't work because God's love is not what men have towards sin. The Bible says in John that men stayed in the darkness and didn't come to the light because men agape the darkness. So a love of God doesn't quite work for that definition. What is a better definition? A love that gives and doesn't care what it receives or if it receives. A love that sacrificially gives. Many times men sacrifice themselves to the dark. They like to stay in the dark. They don't want to come to the light. It's a better definition of agapeo, this love of God. Folks, we got people all throughout the world. Now, you can go to iTunes and search for a song about love, and you're going to come up with a bazillion of them. You're going to see in that group a song that the Beatles wrote. All you need is love. And then they broke up. <laughs> you're going to see Tina Turner say, what's love got to do with it? Why? Because she's frustrated with what love is. Why? Because our love in our world is love if... Love because. I love you if you're rich. I love you if you're pretty. I love you if you're thin. I'll love you if you're good. I love you because you're so handsome. I love you because you're so fit. See, all those terms fall so short of what love is, but that is how we on earth see love. Folks, that's how they see it. And if we bring that definition when we look at 1 John chapter 4, we're going to look at it in just a moment, that says God is love, and we bring our definition, love if, then it's love if I'm good. God loves me if I'm good. God loves me if I keep His commandments. But folks, the Word of God lays out for us that while we were yet sinners, dead in our trespasses, God loved me. God loved you. It's not love if. It's not love because. So when we look and as we delve deeper into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we got to remove that concept from our mind. we got to remove that concept from our, our hearts and recognize when God speaks of love, He's talking about love that would give everything no matter what it receives. Kathy and I, we... Uh, have the benefit of getting to do marriage counseling throughout the 15 years that we've been in the ministry. And in that 15 years, just about the time we think we've heard it all, somebody else comes along and there's actually more. You wouldn't believe it. However, one of the things that we commonly hear is, well, I loved him for the last 10 years. Well, good. But I'm not getting anything back. What a great definition Of the love God calls us to. But what about me? Well, love doesn't think about itself. Love puts others first. 
Oh, Jackie, what are you talking about? I can't, be, I can't have that kind of love. Well, while we're thinking about that, let's take a look at it. Let's go to, hold your finger, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. As we're thinking about what love means and, and, and the kind of love God's calling us to. In Romans chapter 5, listen, I'll, I'll read it to you, first, uh, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's justified mean? Just as if I'd never done it. So therefore, being made just as if I'd never done it by faith, I trust God that he said that that's the way I would look at him. Then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hope, a biblical definition of hope is the expectation of coming good. No matter what it looks like, biblical hope is the expectation of coming good. That means no matter how bad things look, Jesus is coming back and I'm going to heaven. Sooner or later, I will spend eternity with him. That's my hope. My faith, that covers my sins and issues in the past, justified by faith. My hope, that covers my future. Love is what covers now. Love is what anoints the place where we stand at this moment. Verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing, oh, that's a terrible thing, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Jackie, you're calling me to too much. This love that you're, you're describing, that's, that's too difficult. But listen, it's a gift already reserved for you from God through the Holy Spirit. Has been given to you by the Holy Spirit. The love of God. Agapeo. What gets in the way? My mind. My mind gets in the way. Why? Because I start focusing my mind on myself. I start focusing my mind on self. What I want, what I need. And then I'm all about Jackie's rights. I'm all about what's right for me. It's not right. I mean, they shouldn't be able to do this and they shouldn't be able to do that. This is what's right for me. And if I don't fight for me, nobody else will. Great. Welcome to the church of Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3. The church of Laodicea, the people's rights, God's not even in it. He's standing outside, knocking on the door. Remember that scripture? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man opens the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. We'll have communion together. That's the word that Jesus wrote to the church of Laodicea. Laodicea means people's rights. What did Jesus do? Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord, who... Being in the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. God became man. And he didn't become a king. He didn't become the one that people would worship the moment they saw him. God became a bondservant, a slave of choice. But how did that scripture begin? Let this mind be in you. Set aside my rights. Set them aside and trust 
the love that God wants to pour into your life. Get our mind out of the way and allow that love of God to flow through. What did Jesus say in John chapter 13? They will know you are my disciples by that bumper sticker on your car. No, they'll know you're my disciples by what a wonderful person you are, how well you sing, that you do worship, or you come to church every Sunday. How will they know you're his disciples? By your love, one for another. What love is he talking about? Agapeo. A love that gives, expecting nothing in return. That's the love God loved us with. Well, as we consider this, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we'll take a look. First John chapter 4, beginning of verse 7, he says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, For God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. It was a song I used to sing in Sunday school. It's hard for me to read it without singing the song. But don't worry, I'm not going to sing it for you. The idea is, hey, God is love. If we love, then we show God in us. We were talking before, folks, that there are people who say that the evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is your ability to speak in tongues or your ability to prophesy or the word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. But what is he saying here? He says, if you love. Jesus said, by your love, one for another. As we, as we ended 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what did he say? And yet I show you a more excellent way. What is our focus? Folks, if we put our focus on the wrong things, we're out of balance. Our focus must be on the right things. And the right thing is that I want the love of God pouring out of my life. I have to love my brother and love my sister. Whether or not I agree with everything that they do, I am called by God to give sacrificially, expecting nothing in return. That's sacrificial love. Well, he goes on in 1 John 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God is manifested toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. God showed us love in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He came to the world. Did the world ask? No. Does the world appreciate it? No. But He gave anyway, right? A love that gives without expecting anything in return. Well, He goes on in verse 10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation in the Greek is the word hilasterion. It means He's the mercy seat. He's our substitute. The mercy seat. Sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. It's where the blood was sprinkled. Jesus became our mercy seat. The place 
or the person through whom God forgives sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Not love if, not love because, love no matter what, expecting nothing in return. It costs the giver everything and the receiver nothing. This is a love that God is calling us to. In verse 12, he says, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, what's it say? God abides in us. How do people see God in your life? By your love one for another. By the way that you love each other. By the way that you care about one another. This is how God is manifested in our lives. By love. And, and first, John, don't forget who John is. You guys remember who John is, right? The son of thunder. You ever seen the sons of thunder? Leather vest, got a Harley, big old ape, skulls all over it. <laughs> I wouldn't lie to you. That's John and his brother. John and James, they're riding around in their Harleys and Jesus saw them. And he said, hey, you guys, come follow me. Is he talking to us? I think he's talking to us. Don't he know where the sons of thunder? Well, he, he probably needs some tough guys in his little group. So, so let's go be disciples of them. All right. So they parked the Harleys and they followed Jesus. And one time they went into a town. And while they're walking through the town, the people, they weren't very loving to him. And so they came to Jesus and they say, hey, Lord, you want us to take care of these guys? We'll call down fire from heaven and consume them all. And Jesus said, oh, that's all right, guys. You don't yet know what spirit you are. Those people, they became known as disciples of love. When they would bring the Apostle John in at the end of his life, after he'd been through all this junk he'd been through, the last living Apostle, the only one to die of natural causes, John, He's going to sit down in front of the church. They bring him a chair. He sits in that chair. And this would be his message. Little children love one another. In the Old Testament, you know that the Lord laid out 613 commandments for the children of Israel to obey. Can you remember the Ten Commandments? Well, there's 613. Oh, I have a hard time memorizing 613. To be honest with you, I have a hard time memorizing 10. I was also thankful as you read the scripture, you come to Micah, he narrows it down to three. But wait, wait, Paul narrows it down to two. And then he says, it's one. All the law and the prophets are summed up in this one word. Love the Lord your God and love people all the law and the prophets are fulfilled in that one word to love to love and so this is the love that god is calling for us this is a love that he desires for us and this is the evidence in our life that our lives are truly submitted to god because that's the kind of love that's going to flow out perfect no any of us perfect not yet we will be one day but not yet. But that's our goal. That's our 
aim. You know if you don't aim, aim at something, you can't hit it, right? You got to be aiming. You got to be pointing toward the target. You got to be considering what it is that God wants us to see, what God wants us to do. Okay, one last place. We're going to go to John chapter 17. Jesus' high priestly prayer. The prayer before Jesus went to the cross that he prays for you and me. And he sees our face before he goes to the cross. And he prays for us in John 17. And in John 17, he says in verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, perfect unity, us, in, Jesus in us, we in Him t- combined together, complete unity, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them just as you love me. He says, they'll know that you sent me because of the love that's pouring out of our lives. The love of God given for us when we as yet didn't deserve any of it. And he says this is going to be the evidence of Christ in the world. We want the world to see Christ. They're they're busy looking for a tomb. Are they not going to find a tomb? Because he rose again. He's not in the ground. They look around for evidence in the ground. They look around for evidence all over the place of who Jesus is. And they find some evidence, but they they never seem to find enough evidence that they can put their hope and that they can put their faith in. But what is the evidence of God in our lives? Love pouring out the lives of the believers. What's the problem then? The church forgets that. We forget. It's not about how righteous we are. It's about how loving. Why do people want to come to a certain church over another? They want to come because they're loved in that place. People care about me. Number one reason anybody goes to church. People care about me. Somebody gave me a hug. Somebody shook my hand. Somebody said, could I pray with you? You know, they just came up. They're, they're so loving. They're so loving. That needs to be our focus, our goal. That needs to be what we, Calvary Chapel Buell, are attaining to. That love of Christ that constrains me to be what Jesus is calling me to be. A person who loves. So let's take a look. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I know you're thinking, Jackie talked a long time. And he hasn't even read verse 1. We spent, we spent three weeks on one verse. There's no hope for us. Oh, there's always hope. There's always hope. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You mean that it's possible to speak in tongues and not be filled with love? Yeah. It is. It's possible. And when my focus is the gift, if my goal is the gift... I'm out of balance. My goal needs to be the fruit of the Spirit, love. God helps me accomplish my goal through the gift. Who gives the gift? God, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us a gift. How I want it or how He wants it? Bible says, as He wills. As He wills. But He says, 
earnestly desire the best gift. What's the best gift? The one you need, the necessary gift. What do you mean? Well, if you're sick, you need the gift of healing. If you're having a struggle in faith, you need the gift of faith. Whatever the situation dictates, that's the best gift. The one that's necessary for the time. And so, my focus is on love and the gift is going to take place. It's going to take place. God's going to minister through those gifts. He's going to give those gifts that we need. In verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, or I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. You know, if you can move a mountain and you don't have love, you're liable to put it in someone else's way. I got the mountain out of my way. Brother, if you have enough faith, you'll move it out of your way too. Really, I'm just helping you out by creating tribulation in your life. So that you can grow. No, the Bible says, if I'm able to do all these things, is it possible to prophesy? Is it possible to prophesy and and not even be saved? Oh yeah. I give you two examples. Balaam in the Old Testament and Caiaphas that was crucifying our Lord. John said that Caiaphas prophesied when he said, it is expedient for one man to die for all the people. And the next part of that verse says, by this he prophesied being high priest that year. I don't expect to see Caiaphas in heaven. He had the gift of prophecy. It didn't even mean to have the gift of prophecy. Balaam, the, the smarter prophet than Balaam was the donkey who tried to stop him. <laughs> Sometimes we're not smarter than the donkey. Works out that way. Balaam, same way. Had the gift. Didn't have love. What was Balaam's goal? Money. I want money. Power. Money. Power. That's why he used the gifts. He utilized the gift to bring him money. If I have not love, it profits me nothing. I'm nothing without the love of God flowing through my life. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. If I took everything I have, like Ananias and Sapphira, and I sell it, and I pretend like I'm giving it all to the Lord, if I don't have love, if my motivation is not love, God's love, not love if, not love because, but a love that gives, expecting nothing in return, then he's... The scriptures say you're wasting your time. I did a study in Old Testament when I was in school studying the early church fathers. And sometimes you read about some of those early guys and they look like they're trying to die a martyr's death on purpose. And some of them, that was their goal. I want to be a martyr. He says, but though I give my body to be burned, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Though I work myself to the bone in ministry and I, to the point where I burn out, if I don't have love, it profits me nothing. I gotta have love, but it's not love if. It's not love because. It's love that gives, expecting nothing in return. Sacrificial love. 
This is what He's calling us to. This is the sign, the work of the Spirit in our life. And then He tells us in verse 4 what love is. Love suffers long and is kind. This love suffers long. I love the fact that in the Scriptures He did not give us a number. Love suffers for eight years. And on the ninth year, love drops. Ta-da! That better? Now, see, if I hummed it now, they'd know. It's all right, brother. I got you. <clears throat> we can substitute our name. We want to know, how am I doing? How am I doing in terms of showing the love of God in my life? Then put your name in for the word love and see how you do. Love suffers long and is kind. He goes on now to tell us what love is not. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. And it is not puffed up. So what this love is not is envious. It's not envious of someone else's position or power. Love does not envy. You want to test on how that's working? Have one of your friends get a new car. And they show up to church in their new car. Spiffy. And they get out of their new car and they come find you because you're their friend. And they say, man, you want to check out my new car? I got a new car. It's so cool. And you go and they, you look at that new car. Does the first word out of your mouth sound like, must be nice? <laughs> you just failed. <laughs> Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. You ever met those people who are a self-promoter? About how good they are or what things they have or what they're able to do? How well they, they follow the teachings of the Lord or how good they are at doing their Bible study or all those things. It says, love does not parade itself. When they came to arrest Jesus, they needed to have Judas go up to him and kiss him. Why? Because they didn't know who he was. What do you mean? For three years he was walking around in Galilee and Jerusalem, healing the blind, cleansing the lepers, doing all these incredible miracles, and they didn't know who he was. Why? Because love does not parade itself. Nobody knew who he was. If Jesus was acting like a maniac or all goofy, if he was standing on the street corner with that, that megaphone shouting at the cars running by, repent! Repent. 
Then when they came to arrest Jesus, he would have said, oh, he's that guy with the megaphone on the corner. Oh, yeah, I know him. He hollered at me just the other day. We'll go get him. But no, love, what? Love doesn't parade itself. Love's not puffed up. Love's not focused on self. Love's focused on others. Jesus was others-centered. Others-centered. Love doesn't puff itself up. Love does not behave rudely or unseemly. Some, some people even put weird in here. Love doesn't behave weird, rude, unseemly. doesn't do strange and bizarre things. Why? Because strange and bizarre things draw attention to me. Now it's about me. Like I said, they didn't know who Jesus was, yet when he was in the midst of sinners, they wanted to be with him. When he was in the midst of the people, they wanted to hear what he had to say. When he was passing by those who were blind, the blind were able to find where Jesus was and call upon him and say, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. The only ones who couldn't find him were the self-righteous, the religious Why? Because their focus was on self. They had not love. All they could see is themselves. My rights. Who I am. What I'm all about. And so they couldn't find Him. And so the world that we live in today searches high and low for what love is. Where love can be found. But all the while, folks, we are looking for love by staring at ourselves and saying, Who can fulfill my needs? And the Bible says that's not what love is. Love is giving. Love doesn't parade itself. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own way. Hey, I I think this is what we ought to do. Well, you know, I'm not sure. No. Listen. Do it my way. It's my way or the highway. That's not love. That's not the love of God that's poured out in the life of a believer. The love of God given to us by the Holy Spirit that's to flow out from us doesn't seek its own way. Why? Because it's not focused on self. It's not focused on self. Who's it focused on? Others. doesn't seek its own way. Scripture goes on to tell us not only it does not seek its own but is not provoked. So how are you doing by putting your name in here so far? Is it working out for you? Jackie does not behave rudely. Jackie does not seek his own way. Jackie is not provoked. Some of the, the King James versions, it says, is not easily pro- provoked. By the way, just so you're aware, in the Greek, the word easily is not there. It doesn't belong there. It's not supposed to be there. It's not there at all in the original language i don't care what manuscript you try to dig up it's not there doesn't mean it's not easily provoked it means it's not provoked period love is not provoked love is not provoked what's he go on to tell us then it thinks no evil love does not rejoice in iniquity but it rejoices in the truth have you ever got excited when somebody got what they deserved Love does not rejoice in iniquity. 
I've been waiting for that guy to get his. And he got it. Woohoo! That's not the love that God has poured out in our life by the Holy Spirit. We, we tend, folks, I'll be honest with you, we tend to focus on the gifts because they're easier. It's easier. I can function in the gifts of the Spirit and not have love. But having this type of supernatural love, this type of love that God has poured out in our life, this type of love that's an evidence of God in our life, this type of love, it's, it is not easy. It's not easy not to rejoice in iniquity when that person who's done us wrong finally gets theirs. Woohoo! The kind of movies we like to watch. Oh yeah, revenge. Get him. Get the bad guy. Yeah. But that, folks, that's earthly love. It's not the love of God. What did Jesus say on the cross as they were driving the nails into his hands and into his feet? Father, forgive them. See, here's one of the things you'll learn real quick going through 1 Corinthians 13. I can put Jesus' name in for love, and it flows perfect. Because that's who Jesus is. But if I put my own name, there's a struggle for me. So what does that mean? Does that mean I'm not saved? No, that just means... I got further to go. And as I move forward, as I study God's Word, and as I want to apply God's Word, I don't want to just read words on a page and say, well, that was nice, and yeah, but you know, I just can't do it, so we'll just forget about that part, and we'll use this other part. No, you don't get to do that. We're to be doers of the Word, not hearers only. We're to take the Word of God and apply it to our life. And when we fail, when we fall, we stand up. We confess our sins. Father, I blew it. You know, I I rejoiced in that guy's iniquity. Or I I got off track in these other ways in my life. So, instead of being focused on my failure, I'm going to confess it. God wipes it away as far as the east is from the west. And we start again. Every day. Moment by moment. Minute by minute. But this needs to be our goal. That this love is evident... In our life. He says love again. Telling us what love is. Love bears all things. It's strong. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. So. I don't know what you're talking about Jackie. My love is failing. It's not this kind of love. It's love if. It's love because. It's not this kind of love. But I'm running out of strength. I'm running out of strength to love this way. It's not this kind of love. It bears all things. Romans chapter 8 says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not sword, not death, not pestilence, not torture, not tribulation, not our own failures can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate you from His love. God loves you so intently 
You value so much to God that He gave His only begotten Son. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He did what? Gave. He gave His Son so that we could have a relationship with Him. And when we fail, He doesn't throw us out. He says, stand up and try again. Stand up and try again. When we desire to be functioning in the gifts of the Spirit, when we want the gifts of the Spirit moving through, we want the Holy Spirit equipping the body at Calvary Chapel Buell to accomplish the things God's calling us to do. But we need to stay focused on that happens in light of the love of God poured out of our lives. The love of God poured out of our lives. That's what enables us to make the music that God's calling us to make. Love never fails. Cindy Hagerman, that was a book she was always going to write. Before she got cancer, she was one of those people that would stand on Love Never Fails. Sometimes our kids go through difficult times. Sometimes our kids rebel, they make bad choices, bad things happen, and even through tears, she would say, love never fails. I'm going to love my kids into the kingdom. I'm going to love people into salvation. I'm going to love them with the love that God gives me to love them with. And lives change. Things happen. Well, you know, I, I, can, I can do what God's calling me to do with the love I have. No, you can't. Things that are spiritually must be done in the Spirit. The natural man can't do the things of the Spirit. Natural man can't understand the things of the Spirit. For it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's got to be done through the love of God. God's love, agapeo. Self-sacrificing love poured out in the lives of believers. Well, look what he goes on to tell us then. He says, whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, the gifts are temporary. The gifts are temporary. Love is eternal. That's what he's saying. The gifts will reach a time when they're no longer necessary. When is that time? He tells us in the next verse. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Folks, I'm not going to get too crazy into the Greek with you. Let me just say, that which is perfect is speaking of a person, not a thing. It is talking about Jesus Christ. That which is perfect has come. When Jesus, when I'm in Jesus' presence, no longer will I need the gift of tongues. I've got Jesus. No longer will I need the gift of prophecy. I've got Jesus. No longer will I need a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. I've got Jesus. When I'm with Jesus, all those gifts go away. When I'm in light of Him, but what is eternal is love. Because in that place where I got Jesus, I've got love. Love for Him. Love from Him. Love eternal, for God is love, right? God is love. Listen, 
we have everything that we need when He has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Do we understand all mysteries? No. It's partial knowledge. When do we have complete knowledge? When we see Him. Listen. He's going to give us three examples of this. The first one is of childhood. Listen. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So He's saying when we stand in His presence then we're no longer children. Then we will know as we are known. Then we will no longer have the limit of our own intellect. Because the Bible says, and we'll study that as we go on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says that when we're in His presence, we're going to be like Him. People often ask the question, will we know each other in heaven? Yes. There's no reason to think that we're going to be dumber in heaven than we are on earth. What we're going to have in heaven is more complete knowledge. No assumptions, no struggle with sin. All those issues are washed away and we are like Him. Be like Him. A God? No. But a child of the King. We belong to Jesus. We belong to Him. We are His bride. What does that mean? You'll never not be in His presence again. How do you like life today? Going through the world, wondering. Sometimes we have times where we wonder, Lord, where are you? Lord, where are you at? God, what's going on? We don't understand. We only know in part. We don't know completely. But when we see Jesus face to face, the Bible says we will always be with Him. Never again will you have to wonder if God's there. You just look. Yep, still there. He's with me. He's right here with me. On that day, it won't be, I believe He's with me. It will be, I see He's with me. Listen, He gives us a second example of a mirror. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, folks, context is everything. Do you know that? The mirrors that they had in that day were of fine bronze, polished to a sheen, and they could see their reflection. They didn't have mirrors like we have today. Today we have mirrors that give you a pretty good reflection of what's looking into it. But then you looked at this mirror and it was dim. You ever gone into one of those park bathrooms and they got a stainless steel mirror because so many people have gone through and busted it? And they polish that stainless steel mirror and you look at it, but you're kind of weird looking. Is my head really that long? Is there a big lump growing out the side of my head like that says? We see dimly, darkly. But when we stand before Jesus Christ face to face, the Bible says God talked to Moses like a man talks to his friend. Face to face. That's, we're going to experience that. Every one of us seeing Jesus face to face, talking. At that time, we're not going to need gifts, but what is still in their presence? Love. is eternal. It's forever. Not because, not if. It just is. God loves us. Now I know in part, then I will know even as I am known. Now, I'll give you a quick Greek lesson. The word know 
is gnosko. Now we know in part, gnosko, partial knowledge. But then I will know even as I am known. The word is epigonosko. Epigonosko. If you remember three weeks ago, we were talking about three Greek prepositions used to describe the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our life. One of those Greek prepositions was the word epi. It means to overflow. Epigonosko means to overflow with knowledge and understanding. Then I'm going to know like Jesus knows. I'm going to know me like Jesus knows me. I'm going to know him like Jesus knows him. We're going to experience that. And so these things that are given to us now as gifts to carry us through, carry us through until we see Jesus face to face. And they're gone. But what remains? Love. It's still there. It's still there. Now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Why is it greater? Now abides faith. What does faith cover? My past. Oh, man, Jack, you don't know. I, I've done a lot of bad things in the past. I've done a lot of things I should not have done. And sometimes when we think about how God loves us, we're still thinking in terms of love if or love because. It's not love if. It's not like, oh, I've done all these bad things and God can't possibly love me. Wrong. <clears throat> Wrong kind of love. This kind of love gives without receiving anything. He loves you and there's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. So what does faith do? It covers my past. I believe that. Do you know, folks, as we are closing up this morning, about 80% of my available thought time in any given day about 80% of my available thought time on any given day is given to one of two things my past and my future less than 20% is spent on right now we are spending all this energy on our past and our future faith covers our past I know who I have believed and I am persuaded He is able to keep me until that day. Faith covers my past. Hope? The absolute expectation of coming good? That covers my future. Oh man, Jack, you don't know this. The future is kind of crazy. I'm having a hard time making the payments and, and I don't know if we're going to be able to keep the house or... Or, you know, we've been farming and, I, and I'm not able to, to sell any of the crops. Things are just bad. The economy's bad. I, I got a dairy. I, I'm not selling enough milk. The price of milk has gone down. Whatever things are going on, we spend all our time wearing. Hope is the absolute expectation of coming good. For I know all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. What's that mean? Anything that's in my life today is for my good and God's glory. Period. No matter how it looks, no matter how it seems. So hope covers my future. Faith covers my past. That gives me time today to love. 
Why can't we love? Because I'm worried about what I've done in the past. Why can't I love? Because I'm focused on what's going on in the future, what's happening, how are things going to work out. I've got all my energy divided into those areas, and I'm giving nothing to the here and now. The here and now is love. That's why the greatest of these is love. God loves you as much today as He possibly can. And He desires today that relationship with you as much as He possibly can. No matter what. It's not love if. It's not love because. It's love eternal for all time. And then He wants us, as Jesus said, to allow that to flow through us. As we close in John chapter 13, I just want to share this one verse with you. John chapter 13, Jesus getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come, He's headed to the cross, that He would depart from this world to the Father. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the uttermost. Sometimes it says to the end. There's this phrase in the, in the Hebrew that talks of beyond the vanishing point. It's that which doesn't have an ending. It's just that which I can't see the end of. He loved them to the vanishing point. Beyond what could be seen or understood. He loved them. He loved them. Who was in that room? Judas. Doesn't say he loved most of them. He loved them. All to the uttermost. And he's calling us to love in like manner. So in, John, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he says, listen earnestly desire the best gifts don't ignore the gifts of the spirit they're for us today to equip us to be what god's calling us to be but as you earnestly desire the best gift don't forget a more excellent way love god love people amen why don't you stand with me let's pray Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank You for this time we can just come before You. Jesus, we thank You for this time that we can study Your Word, open Your Word, and see, God, what You lay out for us. Father, that You are calling us to love. Because God is love. And if God lives in me, that means love lives in me. And if love lives in me, God, You want that love to flow out from me. Not just be camped on myself but given freely to others. Freely you have received. Freely give. God, help us be a people that of all the things anyone would say about us, whatever they might say, let the first thing that they would say about us be that they love God and love people. Because, Father, that's the evidence 
that we are in the right place. That we love God and we love people. Father, I thank you that your word declares that this love, this supernatural love is poured into my life by the Holy Spirit. So God, if I feel dry, if I feel weak, if I feel like I'm not in that place, all I have to do is ask, Lord, pour out your love in my life. Pour it out in my life that it may pour through me and to others. For that is the more excellent way that your love would flow. For they will know, they will know that Jesus came. They will know that God is because of the love that flows through the body of Christ. Help us never lose sight, God, that that's our aim, that that's our goal. And while we put our name in 1 Corinthians 13 and it doesn't seem to fit, I thank you, Lord, that in a year it'll fit better. And in two years it'll fit better than that. Because we're going to be progressing. We're going to be growing. We're going to be learning more and more to love as you call us to love. And we give you all the praise and the glory for that which you've done in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to close out in worship. I'm going to go ahead and have the prayer counselors come on up. If there's anybody here today struggling with this concept, struggling with love, expressing that love,